0: this is nate stoddard with the sundance canyon academy podcast today i'm here with jillian bates hey jillian how are you today
1: i'm great how are you
0: good could you give uh, our our audience a little bit of a introduction of yourself and your website and
1: my name is jillian bates and i am an Referral educational specialist, and I my website is helpyourteennow.com. And we have been doing recommendations for families for over 10 years now. Um, myself and Natalie Stefanoff specialize in helping families from all different backgrounds find appropriate residential treatment in and out of the home.
0: Okay, so um, how long, how long you say you've been doing this, Jill?
1: It will be 12 years in June.
0: 12 years, so. A lot of change from oh. beginning to end or to now, I should say.
1: A lot of change from then to now. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, give me a profile, if you will, of a family that, you'll, that you will talk to as far as where they're coming from, what needs they have, just in a general kind of a general approach that parents have with you and why they search you out and what their needs are
1: generally a family that is coming to us has, you know, done therapy. They have had several run-ins at school. Um, A student is maybe not getting out of bed and going to school in the mornings, or that student is getting out of bed, leaving, and not coming home. Mm -hmm. Um, There's quite a range of profile. Um, I talked to several families who say, you've probably never heard this before, and I've probably heard it hundreds of times um the the biggest thing that we get from a family calls us is they're feeling pretty hopeless they feel like they've tried everything in their local area they feel like they have sought out as many resources as they can and they still don't have any answers and things aren't improving Mm -hmm. so that's generally when they call us um and then we just you know get a profile on the student and Mm -hmm. and then try to assist any way we can
0: so with the profile and the reason I'm specific or deliberate in asking about a profile because the profile now of a parent does it differ much than from before, say twelve years ago when you started? Is there? Can you give me some some context of change, maybe of of what that profile looks like and parents and their needs?
1: Absolutely. So when I initially started this industry about twelve years ago, there was not a lot of education about. Programs really out there. The internet was still fairly new. Um, a lot of parents did not even know how to use it or how to search on it. Most programs didn't have a website or their own educational information online. Um, it was strictly just educational consultants. You'd visit their physical office and share what was going on with your child, and then they would give you, you know, pamphlets and phys- like folders of different information to search at home. Um, Then, as we have progressed, of course, technology has just changed our world in the last 10 years. Things are so much different. And so the families that are calling us now have seen all these different options online, and they're totally overwhelmed with options, where Mm -hmm. initially when I first started, they were completely underwhelmed. They had no idea where to go. Mm -hmm. And now they have 20 different schools they're looking at and need to be able to navigate through that.
0: What would be... What would be the challenges from before and the challenges now with, let's say, that what you're saying in the in the sense of the the amount of resources they have available to them?
1: The challenge before for the families was just whoever had the biggest online presence, which was like one major company, there was one one number, you were pretty much stuck to what they shared with you. Um, it was difficult to find any, if at all, information, except for if you knew a friend who had placed somewhere or had a therapist who knew about programs um now the challenge for families is there's too much information so mm-hmm. it's changed to not having enough education about residential treatment and out of home placement to having too much information in some ways and still not knowing where to go with that information you mm-hmm. know so that's been the biggest challenge is educating our families with what is and isn't out there, what still is available, what used to work and what didn't. You know, before all programs were behavior modification. They, that's what was out there. Everybody thought, oh, go to a military school, go to a boot camp because you'd hear all these things over the radio that said, oh, take, send your kid to this two-week boot camp. Someone mm-hmm. will yell at him, yeah. we'll whip him into shape. You know, that right. was that was the norm 10 to 12 years ago. Now we are looking at relationship model programs. That is what is really changing and revolutionizing the residential treatment industry. Um, kids are g- basically getting to be in shorter term placement and we're educating our parents in the relationship model mm-hmm. and that is really revolutionizing residential treatment.
0: So before you're you're saying there was uh, a big change just in the therapeutic approach now Boyd's with us as well um, Boyd you've talked, we've talked before about the, the, that therapeutic approach, could you give us a little bit of what Jillian's talking about on that relationship model and uh, given your your you know the background you've had in admissions in the last twenty years with these programs, can you give the audience a little bit of understanding of what that what that means coming from and what it is today?
2: Sure. yeah. Um, as Jill referenced, you know ten, twelve years ago, boot camps and the behavior mod approach was the next best thing. And so it you know became pretty uh, prevalent for most parents to find that type of solution. Now it's uh, it's really changed over to relationship modeling. And what that typically means is you're not looking so much with a punitive program, but you really are looking at how do I help youth with um, being able to find exactly the right solutions using a family focus. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what's important. Uh, long-term studies, now that we're 10, 12 years into it, we find out that when kids go to a military-style program and they get a shaved head, jumpsuit, push-up style experience, it can certainly change behavior in the short term. But when they go home, their hair grows back, and they're not wearing a uniform, and someone's not telling them what to do, they will go back to their old coping mechanisms. And oftentimes that's drugs or alcohol, or that's defiancy, or that's entitlement. The relationship model really allows these kids to mature, number one. And number two, to say, I'm going to use different coping mechanisms. Mostly connection through positive relationships sure. to change behavior. So, um, so we latch onto that, and okay. I think it's a good. I think it's a good change.
0: Yeah, you know, and just to kind of reiterate what we're what we're talking about today with that past, present, and future of of the industry. If if I'm to sum it up, I know parents listening to this are not necessarily interested so much in the past, although it's it's interesting and helps them know uh, a little bit about what we're talking about currently. But back to you, Jill. The with the question of what you're talking about with the amount of information that's out there, uh, we all know that with more choice comes more research needed, and I think it's still overwhelming for the parent. Whether it was back 15 years ago or today, back then there was less of a choice, and they still needed to research. Now there's so much information. How do you? What do you say to a parent? Of, uh, parents out there looking. I mean obviously you're you're a great resource for that that that's what we would encourage parents to do is find someone like yourself. Can you talk a little bit about what they should look for in in deciding and looking into information about programs and who they should trust for lack of a better word?
1: Well, I always tell my families do your homework. If something doesn't feel right or sit right with you, if you think, oh, this sounds good, but I'm not sure about this, the first thing is for them to open their mouths and tell me what they're looking for. The biggest thing that when a family calls us is they're overwhelmed anyway. You know, they were overwhelmed before they started looking. So when they contact us, they really just want someone to tell them what to do. And I, my first job really is to educate the family and saying that is not What I do. I will never tell you that you have to do this or else. I will not use scare tactics in order to get you to go to a program. That is not the point of what we do, and that will not have a parent who is ready and secure in placement. One of the biggest things that happens in our industry is parents hear a lot of horror stories and they read a lot of stuff online that I, you know, it's usually not true. there are a lot of things out there that are scary and overwhelming to our families so when they're doing their education they read one bad story and they think that every program has that same aspect to it um one of the things that has helped a lot is the technology piece of of treatment you know you have programs out there now that are building apps so there's a community for their families You have programs out there that are posting, like you guys are doing podcasts, education. You know, I don't know any family that's going to pick up an actual book and read about placement. They do not have time for Mm -hmm. that. Our lives are busy. They need to be able to get that information as quickly as possible. And so one of the things when a family calls us, that's why we ask so many questions. That's why we take what we call a profile. Um, That's why we gather that information. We are trying to help you narrow that search down as narrow as possible. It doesn't mean we know every single program out there. But if you contact us back and say, hey, can you look into this for us? We absolutely can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, That is probably the biggest piece is just educating them on how to weed through the information that they're gathering. And to tell them to stay off of the review sites until they've kind of formulated a decision. The best way to look at a program is to um, go to the program, go, that's the yeah, absolute look, best look, way. Research go the program, talk to them. Talk to them. You will know when you are there, and you look at those other students. What if you could imagine your child there? Yeah. That's the best way to do it. If you're going to spend the time and the effort and the energy, it is worth the two or three thousand dollar investment to go out and look at that program in person.
0: Okay, I've kind of in my mind been as I, as you've talked, I've kind of been trying to place a bullet point next to what you're saying. And and this is what I've come up with is the first one is be kind of aware of the technique and how they approach you. They meaning the program, the information. Two, I really got out of what you said was keep it simple. Talk, open your mouth, ask the question, go to the program, do some of these things. What would be if you were to tell parents in in your experience as they're researching, because researching is a pretty broad term, right? I mean, what does that mean? I mean, you can tell me to go research different types of coffee to drink, but okay, where do I start? Do I start at Starbucks? Some people say no. You know, that that may be a poor example, but where do they start? What would be the first thing you tell them to do the research? What is the first thing?
1: The first thing I tell a family to do is to tell me about their child. Like, Mm. what are his interests? I want to know, like, what things did he used to do maybe before he stopped engaging with people what did he used to do you okay. know did he used to play music or what what are the things he loves because that is going to tell me who their child really is or what connects with him because it's important when you're looking at a program to not just look at the treatment models used it's important for your child to understand that you thought about them mm-hmm. when you did this right if you know your child doesn't respond to authority. And then you put him in a program where someone's telling him where to go every second. It's going to work while he's there, but it's not going to work with who he fundamentally is as a person. Okay. So the first thing I would tell a family is, just tell me who your kid is. Don't tell me everything your kid has done. Okay. Tell me who your kid is. Like, who you know is there. Because the stuff that he has done fits a general... Progress, you know. I mean, yes. Okay, he's tried marijuana. He's done all the, you know, certain things. Or you know, he's depressed. I I can deal with those symptoms, mm-hmm. but who is your child? Like, how does he respond to you? What do you? What did your relationship look like when it was good? Hmm. You know, those things. I don't. Um, parents spend an awful lot of time talking about diagnosis and how long they spent in each therapy program, and and all of those things. All of those things are relevant but they do not tell me what you are looking for. The other thing I would tell parents is don't search boot camps. If what you're really looking for is a therapeutic program, because the only options it's going to pull up are ones you are not interested in and you're going to still feel helpless. Yeah. You know, tr- also trust who you speak with because a lot of times I talk to a family, their child fits a certain profile and you know, this program is going to be a great fit and they find one thing to be hung up on. And then they just can't get over that one thing where it's like, Oh, they're going to serve them waffles for breakfast and we don't eat waffles. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that people get hung up on. But what they're really saying is, I'm not ready to do this. Mm. And I think if they could take that information and say, I'm not ready to do this and say it out loud, I can do so much more with that. I can help them so much more with that process than I can they're going to feed them waffles in the morning. And that's the kind of stuff people pick that one specific point to really stop their kid from getting treatment. Mm. And and it's just little things. where, And and a lot of times, they'll just stop returning your call. Whereas if they would just call you back and say, hey, I don't like this because of this. Yeah. They wouldn't have to keep calling 800 different people. They could just share what they need. And that person, whether it be myself or someone else who does what I do, they could really pinpoint a great fit for that family. That's
0: great. It's uh, I love how you said that because... Just so your parents know that are out there listening to this, understand, Jillian's not there to tell you about your fears. She recognizes them, <laughs> and you need that. To me, answers a big question of what of what I think most parents are looking for, and that is, can I be vulnerable? Is this research something that is going to affect me as much as my kid? The answer is yeah. It's about you, and it's about your your son or daughter. and And I love how you gave that out. That's a that's
2: a great way of. Looking at it, you know, I think that brings up another point, too, Nate, and that is that's why I think we need to segue to more technology, yeah, to more information, to more uh education for parents. I think there's this old school of thought that, uh, hey, we're the experts, and Mm -hmm. so they just need to come to us and then trust in the process, and we'll point them in the right direction. I love what Jill's saying, in that, yeah, that's the way the old guard used to think, and that was the mentality, but now it's changed to. Yeah, let's let's have this conversation. Let's have this connection, mm-hmm. and then let's really throw out some education platforms that I think parents are using now, like sure. the internet, like um, apps, like learning centers, uh, like a visit and a view to uh, to a program where they can walk the campus, talk to people, connect with those folks that they know are going to take care of their son or daughter or whoever's going into treatment. Yeah, um, and so that you know, technology for us as a program. Is it's big because mm-hmm. it's hey we're going to put all the information out there to help you dispense with some of those fears and help you then get more connected to us and what this outcome is going to look like. Right. Yeah,
0: and that actually, like you said, it's a good, great segue. That that actually was my was my next uh, question to you, Jill. And in, in in looking at what we've talked about in this past and what is present, how does that look? Uh, what kind of technology do you think parents can look for? I mean, they're listening to a podcast right now, so that would, be, that would obviously be one way. But is there some other things that you've run into that, that have been a good tool for parents or uh, that they can use in order to do this research or to do become a little more confident in their uh, decision process? As far as available out there online or technology, apps, anything like that, have you got, have you got anything that may help?
1: Well, Sundance Canyon does have an app for families. That's a, you know, if their families have enrolled in the program, there is an app for, you know, for that family to connect with other parents. Um, I think, honestly, technology for our programs is their way behind. Mm. Um, most, most programs, they are focused on treatment, but not on educating the families. Mm. The thought process, and it's kind of an older thought process is, Send me your kid, like Boyd was saying. Send me your child. We'll we'll help him. we'll work. we'll do what we can, and then we'll send him home to you. But the model, as the relationship base has changed, is that we need to do more education for the parents. And so there are like um, I know on our Help Your Teen Now mm-hmm. um, blog, we have we post blogs two to three times a week with education for parents of resources that are out there and that are available. Um, there are lots of options where you can do um home-based intervention programs Mm -hmm. um those require more work from the parent and sometimes that's why it's not effective because parents are busy um they don't have the time that it takes to put into following up following through and a lot of times that's why we've ended up in the situation that we're in anyway so it's very difficult to um find you know, a resource that that I can say ever works for every parent, like mm-hmm. a, a technological resource. But um, as far as academics go, and and that piece, there's so many resources out there for them to be able to read those books quickly. Excerpts, there's you know, Residential Treatment for Dummies. I think is actually a book that's out there, and I've and there's a lot of different <laughs> stuff that you can read quickly to get that information out yeah. there. But Technology, I think we're behind. I think yeah. this industry is way far behind. Um,
0: it, it ties back into what you were saying earlier about you know being hung up on waffles. The technology that's out there and that's available—blogs, podcasts, whatever—what you're saying is that allows and helps you to build up the knowledge you need in order to feel comfortable. As a parent, would is that kind of what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And the
1: problem is is that a lot of the stuff that's out there, people will read it. They'll find one thing that doesn't apply to them and then they stop reading. Oh. So, you know, I can say this article is really good and I think you can learn from it, but they'll read, you know, three quarters of the way down, find something that doesn't fit their child's profile and then it's oh this isn't this doesn't fit my kid and it's the same thing that happens when i send a family to a website for a program they'll read you know 25 of the bullet points match their child and two of them don't and they're like see it's not a good fit yeah and those are the things those are the waffles that's the that's the way we get hung up on stuff
0: be voracious in your approach not just reading but watching listening
1: Yeah. And when you read that stuff, be open minded because you don't always know everything your child is going through. Hmm. So even though you're educating yourself and you're doing all these things, you don't always know the stuff that's in a bullet point might be something that your child is actually going through. Yeah. And you need to be open to that. Yeah. Um, You know, the technology is there and and in a lot of other industries that the ability to get that information out there is available But nobody wants to be the one that says, I can do this because it's not a one size fits all. Right. That's the thing. You know, we can't come out and say we have the best hamburger, you know, because your kid might come here and, and not and not succeed because it's not 100%. That's that's how this industry works. And that's why it's so hard. That's why the education people tend to kind of keep close to them. Even families who have gone through this don't always want to share. Yeah. And that's what you run into. The technology that's available a lot of times does more harm than good. Right, because it's like reviews and things, and people always who have bad experiences want to share more than people who have great experiences.
0: You know your your specialty as as you're coming in and you're talking about this, and as we as we continue on with our podcast here, I I I think it's a great time to reach into the future now. Of of we've talked a little bit about podcasts and different things, and uh, you mentioned Sundance's. uh, app that we have that is available to parents out there. If they want to download that off of uh iTunes or Google play, it's available. Um, they can download that and request a access to that. And it comes to me and I can approve that. But um, let's talk a little bit of, if we will Boyd. I'm going to pull you in a little bit, talk a little bit about uh, we've been developing plum. It's called the Sundance Canyon or plum by SCA. We've been, we've been developing this for years and, um, Jillian was nice enough to bring it up, and this uh, tell us a little bit about that boy. Can you give us some background on Plum and why it, it came about, and tie it in here with with Jillian and what she's been talking
2: about? Yeah, yeah. I think before I get there, though, um, or answer that question, I, I really like um, how we've kind of come full circle. I, I will say there's been a maturation of of the industry itself and parents participation because we all know that if we're going to send our kids to treatment because they're in crisis the family's actually in crisis and i really like the way jill alludes to the fact that the parents have to be a little vulnerable that whatever program they're going to choose um yeah they can't get hung up on the waffle analogy of some of these details in that They need to be very um, understanding that the program is probably going to make a pretty heavy run at them as a family, too, Mm -hmm. because change is going to be facilitated within the family itself. And so parents have to, I think, understand that going in. And I think that's a big paradigm shift for a lot of parents because they're like, wait, we've got some family secrets or some things going on here. Our kid definitely needs some help. We're going to choose a program. Uh, now we're going to use all this technology to find the right program, but it still is going to necessitate their participation and change mm-hmm. on their part. It's, you know, again, research shows that when you take a kid out of their home, have them go to treatment, and then they go back home, it's very easy for those kids to go back to the old behaviors and the old attitudes and things if if the family hasn't changed and the parents haven't changed themselves. But if you get that group to change and to do what they need to do, you're going to have much better outcome. I think technology and what I'm going to talk about right now, I think, um, is, is a necessity from our demographic. I mean, the reason why we came up with an app is because our parents are like, wow, we'd really like to talk to other parents that have had a similar circumstance and situation as us, and we can support and help each other. Plum is parents learning under mentorship. That's what it means. And it really does allow our parents, for kids who are in treatment, to chat and talk and to have that um, uh, shared experience. It also allows our parents who aren't ready for placement to still be a part of a community that can say, hey, we too encountered this. This is what we did. And they may be able to um, uh, help themselves at home even before placement. And that doesn't even bring into the fact that after placement, parents and the kids themselves, these adolescents or even young adults, Need that connection. They need that connection to help again with better outcomes once they've gone home. So I like I like how it's come full circle, and I appreciate uh, Jill being on the front lines of this educational consulting piece and having that you know those honest conversations with parents. Yeah, and Jill. So talking about Plum and what you've seen with
0: plumbing, uh, um, the I think it goes back to what uh, again, what bringing back some things that you've talked about and parents. With the waffle analogy, I I love that. I love using the waffle analogy. Plum allows them to be in a community, like Boyd was saying, to do that. What, Based on your research that we were talking about earlier, how can they apply that in Plum, let's just say? If they wanted some questions asked and things... But they can go and do this in Plum. What would you say they they would they would ask while they're in Plum and ask these parents specifically? Because it's a little different talking to you, because you're the you're the specialist that talks in, about programs and residential treatment. But this is more for help in parents to get past the waffle analogy. So, what would you tell parents to ask inside of Plum?
1: I think inside that technology, really, what you're asking and what you're needing is emotional support for the decision that you've made. There is a lot of shame and guilt associated with placing in treatment. It's not something anybody really likes to talk about. But when you are in a community that is safe to talk about that because these are other parents who have either done it or are considering doing it, Mm -hmm. that is a safe place to say, how did you overcome seeing other kids have triumphs and you knowing that your kid's not going to have those triumphs? These are questions that parents want to ask but don't always know how to you know how what books did you read that helped you with this you know have you found a therapist that is supportive of treatment um and how can how can we together maybe set up a time for our kids to connect after treatment so that he has a positive relationship to come home to yeah you know how do we as parents grow together so that we are growing with our kids you know maybe they read the same therapeutic books that are listed in your in your program so that they are on the same page and using the same language that you're using in your program. And if the parents can learn to practice using that language with each other in Plum, Mm -hmm. it will be easier for them to use that language with their child. It will be easier for them to use that language with their colleagues because the stuff that, that these students learn here is not just for this year that they're here or to work through their right now issues. It's for their whole life. It is tools to be able to communicate and move forward in their lives. And a lot of times the parents that I'm working with have lost a lot of those tools because they've been in crisis for so long. Yeah. And so being able to communicate in that app and, and be able to say, you know, what did you do when your husband wasn't supportive of this? What did you do when you yeah. have, you know, or when the wife wasn't supportive? Or how did you overcome, you know, the stigma of placing in treatment? How did you talk about this with your friends? Those, become are questions. Numb. those are questions right. that they have that they're like, yeah, yeah you can... They, when they're talking to me, they can say, you can say this, but what did people actually tell their child? what did people tell their other siblings? Yeah. those are the kinds of questions that in that community those are safe to ask because they're all on the same page.
0: Okay. I want to wrap up our our podcast today, but I want to do something today that's a little little different than we've done in the past. If you could give us a 10-second um, statement of hope for parents.
1: A lot of parents think that treatment's not good, but their kid's going to come home and it's a 50% success rate. And they automatically decide that he's not going to be in that 50% that does well. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that I've been doing this for 12 years. The success rate is much higher than 50%, even if not immediate. It's, there is hope for your family. There's hope for you and the relationships that you're in. It will not only just improve your child, but it will also improve you as a person when you go through this Great. experience.
0: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for visiting us. We'd like to thank the parents for listening to our podcast. And if there's a topic you'd like to discuss, you can email me at nate at sundancecanyonacademy.com.